Leadership is leading by example. And I believe that leaders have to follow through and do what they say they're going to do. You know, if you look at one of the greatest leadership lessons I ever learned, I learned it from Coach Saban. And Coach Saban always says, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. It's time to get inside your own head. Begin with the psychology behind your behaviors and fuse it with an acute understanding of self-awareness, emotion, storytelling, body language, and more. Then look at it all through the lens of the latest neuroscience research, broken down to its most digestible form. And you've arrived. Enhanced messaging, deeper connection, heightened influence, and a greater impact on the world. Welcome to the NeuroSide of Influence and Leadership with Renee Rodriguez. Everybody, welcome to the Amplify Podcast or the <clears throat> NeuroSide of Influence and Leadership. And as you guys know that this is typically me talking, but I ran across somebody at a recent event that I absolutely connected with because not only of the kind of person he is, the quality of person, his philosophies, beliefs, values, but what he's doing, the impact that he's making. And so I uh, ran across Ben Newman at an event and the more I dove into what he's doing, the more excited I got. I went out and he actually gave me a copy of his book. I dove in and finished it. It's called Uncommon Leadership. And in this book, he interviews people like David Goggins, Andy Frasilla of 75 Hard, and uh, Nick Saban, where, who he actually coaches. And the reason I wanted Ben on here was that this is somebody that not only understands leadership, as somebody who was a former financial advisor and now is advising some of the iconic leaders of our time, but somebody who lives the principles at a much deeper level. And so I couldn't wait to get into the mind of uh, Ben. So Ben, and if you're not following, please follow Ben Newman, because that's going to be somebody you're going to want to keep an eye on. Ben, thanks for so much for coming on. Renee, thank you so much. I appreciate all those kind words. We got to give a little shout out to our friend Brian Covey at Lone Depot. That's where we got to meet from sharing the stage together. <clears throat> and I just have to say, I know this is an interview about me, but I just loved watching you speak. You know, your neuroscience background and knowing from, you know, Coca-Cola to Microsoft, to all these huge companies, there's a way in which you communicate. It's probably why you have such a loyal following of people loving listening to you because you cause people to slow down and you cause people to think. And it was an empowering experience. And so I, I'm incredibly excited to be able to spend this time with you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that, Ben. From you, that means a lot. It really does. And so let's dive in because I know people I want to know. I'm, I don't even care if anybody listens. I, I want to know these questions. So the, the word leadership is something that we I have heard since I was just got into the world. Into the world. I mean, I think we hear it as kids. We see examples of leadership out there, and we see a lot of examples of poor leadership. But you're in the trenches right now. And so I want to ask you the first question, defining terms. What does leadership mean to you? Leadership is leading by example. And I believe that leaders have to follow through and do what they say they're going to do. You know, if you look at one of the greatest leadership lessons I ever learned, I learned it from Coach Saban. And Coach Saban always says, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And if you were at an Alabama practice, you would see at 70 years old, Coach Saban is still sprinting in between drills. Wow. And the reason why is 
he believes that if I'm going to ask a player to sprint in between drills, then I can sprint in between drills too. And sometimes I, I feel that we as leaders, we lose sight of the fact that regardless of your success, regardless how many championships, regardless of what they say about how great your company's doing or what the bottom line says, we have to continue to show up and be an example through our action. So you, you, he literally will sprint. He, he runs in between drills, and wow. when, when he gets to where he's supposed to be, and then he turns around, you better not see anybody walking. Otherwise, he will definitely let it be known that he sees people walking. It's, it is truly extraordinary. He's, you know, he, he'll, he'll stretch with the team before stretch, and then he'll run in between drills. It's, he's an incredible leader. There's something about that when you know the leader isn't asking you to do something that they weren't willing to do themselves and that they're willing to push themselves in the same way that they're pushing you. I mean, that's beautiful. What tell us, I guess, you know, cause I think I, I want to know what, I mean, Nick is, is iconic and you're helping him. What kinds of conversations are you having around leadership? What, where are some of his struggles? Cause I think we all struggle no matter how good we think we are, or the world thinks we are. There's the beauty of life is in the struggle. The beauty of life is in the leadership struggle. Where are you helping him, and what what are the areas that you really focus on? You know, five years ago when Coach Saban had interviewed me, one of the things that he shared was his belief in having voices with his players, right? So a lot of times I, I may there may be a season where I'm doing one-on-one -on -one work with the players, and then there's another season where it might be team talks, one-on-one, -on -one, more engagement with him. It all varies because he's constantly changing and paying attention to the needs of the players. So sure, there's there's one-on-ones where you walk off of a field and he may say, hey, Ben, what is your opinion? What's your observation? What do you think? And then there's other times where you're, you're getting a fist pound because he knows that you do your job when you show up. I have no worries about you, so go about it and do your job. And so one of the things I think is unique is when a leader chooses to leverage but they also build a team that allows them to get to where they want to get to. They don't try to do it alone. And I'll sh there have been plenty of programs where I'm brought in, and it is clear as can be that coach wants to check a box by bringing in a speaker, but he really only wants his voice to be heard. And it's the complete opposite with Coach Saban. He's always looking for different perspectives because he recognizes on a football team with 130 people, all those players are different and their needs will be different. So you said a word that I think is often used very often misunderstood leverage is sometimes that create leverage and some people that will lead through other people. How are you seeing leverage? How does leverage apply in leadership? Well, you know, I, let me share a mistake I've recently made when it comes to leverage. And, and I know on platforms like this, I think everybody probably thinks, well, Ben doesn't make mistakes. Look who, look who he works with. Let me be clear on something. I still have two coaches. I read books every single day. I'm still looking for content and things that are going to challenge me to think differently. That's why I love hearing you speak because like you slow down and you think. So when it comes to leverage, I've recently made mistakes. I was trying to, in our business, because we've got a, a speaker's bureau, we've got a coaching practice, I've got my work I'm doing with teams and corporations. And so there's huge impact that we're fighting to make every day. But a lot of times I may leverage to the wrong people. I may say, well, this member on our team, I'm going to leverage them this. And I'm actually leveraging something to somebody and they don't even like doing that thing. So recently we identified in some of our systems that I was leveraging things that I really should have been doing. 
So I ended up having a conversation. I hired one of my coaches to really break down our systems. She found holes. I then ended up finding out they didn't like doing what I asked them to do. And I realized from re-engaging that I love it. So I think a lot of times when you think of leverage, don't leverage to ease. Make sure you slow down. Look at what's in front of you. Evaluate. Think about it. Make the right decision. Leverage to the right people. And then take action. And then here's one critical piece. When you leverage, you get your time back. So that doesn't mean, hey, I go to the golf course. This is just my opinion. I go to the golf course more. I get to do this. I get to do that. A lot of times leverage can be used for you to continue to do the things that you love as a leader or to make you a stronger leader. I love that. I think that's powerful. And especially, you know, when you're thinking about what it is that other people value in the process, I think that's huge. Now, the, the question that it also goes into me, because we're talking about leadership and leverage. We're talking about really being leader by example, which is much easier said <clears> than done, because I think a lot of people confuse the example part and the leverage piece. What would you say in your chronicles is sort of the thing that you go, this is the part that I think people are missing in today with when it comes to leadership? What is that piece that people are... It, maybe it's that, that missing piece because there, there's certain things we find out we, we think it's this complex thing, but so maybe it's this one simple piece or maybe it's a couple different areas. But what do you think people are missing? I think a lot of leaders miss the opportunity to communicate and to understand what's in somebody's heart. I think, mm. you know, a lot of leaders, they've experienced tremendous success. So they think, well, I could show you how to be successful. But if we don't slow down to understand what's in somebody's heart, how does their heart beat? What's going to make them tick? How do they think? If we don't start with the connection of those two pieces, mm. I question, will the person that you're leading ever reach their highest level of performance? Yes, you can tell them, go do X, Y, and Z, and they may do it. But the moment you slow down to build that relationship, communicate, understand their heart, understand how they think, the performance will reach a more significant level. So how do, how do leaders do that? Because I, I love that. Connect with the heart and understand them. What would you say is if I'm listening to this saying, okay, I want to connect with people's hearts more. I want to understand what drive, what, how do you, how would you suggest doing that? Well, I'm going to make a selfless plug for the episode that I'm going to do with Renee, but you guys need to watch the burn. That's our podcast. And we're going to be doing an episode as well. And so I can't wait to be able to do that and have you on our show. But one thing I, I, I think people miss is the title of the podcast, the burn. the burn. And so I believe that's where we really have to start. There are so many coaches that do the type of work that I do, and they talk about why and purpose, which are so incredibly important. But I believe we all have this burn, and this mm. underlying burn is what actually ignites why and purpose that then causes us to be more disciplined on the days that we don't want to do it. Share a quick story with you. I'm right in the middle of football training camps, and I just got back from Kansas State over the weekend. I go out to Patriots training camp the next couple of days, Michigan State at the end of the week, Eagles, Dolphins next week. It is a crazy time, so I'm glad we are able to make this happen. But at Saturday's practice at Kansas State, there was a new player that was a transfer. Hmm. That new player, his chain was hanging out of his jersey. And on his chain, it was a little circle, and it looked like a grandma. And so I went up to him and I you know, said his name and I said, is that your grandma on your chain? And he goes, no, no, no. It's actually my great grandma. And oh, wow. he lit up. Mm. Later on that night, I sat down when we were all at team dinner, sat down right next to him, intentionally said, 
Tell me about your family. Tell me about your friend. We never worked together, never met, right? He's a transfer from another school. All of a sudden, he tells me about the people who had influenced his life, how he was raised, and what that great-grandma meant to him. Well, I can already tell from the smile on your face, you know exactly where I'm going. If I start there with him, the times where he's struggling in a practice, I already know what motivates him. It's to be an example for his grandma because his great-grandma made great sacrifice for him to be able to – most leaders do what? They yell and scream in a football player's face because they think that's what we're supposed to do. You need to do this and you need to do that and you're not doing that. If you don't have a relationship, it only goes so far, even if what you're sharing with the player is what they should do. And I think the relationship piece is far off in what many leaders miss. That So I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that because, one, the beauty in what I'm hearing is it's the opposite of what we all saw, the yelling and the screaming and the not caring, the lack of empathy, the you're here to just push in your, your tool of the play but you're you're literally looking at this person as an individual that has it. I love that. I didn't I didn't know that the burn on the inside, that burning desire to do something, that if you as a leader take the time to understand it, then in those moments where maybe their energy is a little bit lower, or maybe they're just they're starting to want to give up, that you can reignite that and just remind it with just a word or something. And it probably just what do you see happen when you do that? Well, what happens is is people connect back to pain, sacrifice, something that somebody's done for them to have that opportunity. I'll give you another example. It, it's one of my favorites. So our friends, Andy Frisella and Ed Milex, I know you've shared the stage and shared time with those guys too. They had me come and speak during COVID for one of their virtual events for Arte. And I was warming up the stage for Marshall Falk. Now, Marshall right. Falk is one of the greatest running backs of all time. That gold ball over the Over this shoulder, uh, that gold ball is actually signed by Marshall. So I've known him for years. I'm a St. Louis kid. I'm in St. Louis. And I said to him, I said, can I stay on and listen to Marshall? Kind of like me wanting to listen to you. Like, we can always learn. And so Marshall starts speaking. And Ed says to Marshall, I'm going to share a quick version of this. Ed says to Marshall, tell him how you did what you did, Marshall. Tell him how you did what you did. Tell him why you worked so hard. And he said, I grew up in a house with 11 children. And he said, for me, a great sandwich was sugar on white bread. And he said, those sugar on white bread sandwiches made me realize I got to work hard every day so nobody in my family ever eats sugar and white bread sandwiches. And he said, so every day I woke up. So here, right? So I already spoke. I'm listening to Marshall. And he says, I woke up every day. He goes, I don't even know what you call it. But he's like, there was just this something inside me that said, I'm not going back there eating those sandwiches and nobody. And I'm sitting here yelling at my screen. That's the burn. That's the burn. Right? (laughs) But so it's different for everybody. You know, Mm. mine is the loss of my mom 11 days before my eighth birthday. Parents divorced at six months old, never knew him. We all have pain. We all have a story. I don't think people connect enough to the reason why they're actually going to fight harder or be more disciplined in their action. So that's where I believe, because there's all these amazing stories. That's why I always start with the heart first. The word burn is just burning into me right now because I'm I'm imagining because I I played basketball all the way through a little bit in college and I think I had one coach that understood that maybe intuitively but the rest did not 
they did not know how to tap into that. And I almost had to tap into it myself. Thank God I did that because it's serving me now. But the power of what you're talking about is it truly is what changes people's lives and why I think these coaches will lay their lives down for a leader that does that because they, they feel seen. I mean, that's, that to me is that's, that's incredible. I, and I love that. And if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm asking, cause we, you're right. We've heard about the why we've heard about, you know, the, 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 the purpose behind things, all the, a lot of that stuff, but it becomes very difficult to grasp, right? It becomes very difficult to grasp, but I think this is the, the, the wisdom. And I think the genius of what you're talking about is that it's simple. It's, it's what's burning inside of you and how do you see it? You just pay attention to people. I would tell people, I said, learn to listen to people, what they value. And here you are physically seeing they're a chain and, and then having the, the curiosity and the care to ask instead of saying, put your chain away. We don't wear chains here. You know, which is what I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Cause that's not how I operate, but you're right. <laughs> a lot of, of programs. That is what you would hear. Totally. It's like, that's not part of uniform. You know, get out of here. We're not, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. And it's like, no, why? And then say, yeah, okay. And then after you send the wife, okay, so we want to protect grandmama. So let's put her away because you got some animals out here that's going to probably take it off of you, you know, along with your helmet. And so they say, okay, no problem, coach. But, but they feel seen, they feel heard. And it's, there's something beautiful of the more you do that, probably the harder you can push. Is that true? Oh, with, without, because they know that you have a real relationship. One of the things that, that really surprises people, whether it was my first talk at Alabama, my first talk at Kansas State, or even back to North Dakota State, I've been with Coach Kleiman for eight years. Within five minutes of me speaking, I share my mother's story. I share pain that I've experienced in my relationship with my father. I probably have tears in my eyes, and I let these guys know. I cry when I watch Extreme Home Makeover, so it is, it is what it is. Like, you're just going to get me. Yes. But I encourage them, like, if, if you're going to bring me in to help you on the mental side, if I'm not willing to fight as hard as I can to understand your story and you don't recognize that I have a story, we're really never going to connect. If it yeah. just becomes me just pushing and veins start popping out of my neck that you could give more on this next lift, our relationship is only going to go that far. But when you really pay attention to relationship and you let them know I'm real too, I've been through my stuff, I've made mistakes, I have regret about things that I didn't follow through with and I should have done differently it's a completely different relationship. I'm I'm hoping people are hearing this that that this is this is what leadership is. And it's not what we see on TV. It's not the the things that even a lot of us grew up with. It is truly seeing people for who they are and reminding them who they are is what I'm hearing. You're reminding people what drives them. You're reminding them that that I remember one time I, you know, we we pull people on stage and I'll say they go, "Well, I don't know how to get past this." I said, "I go behave as if your children are watching." I go, because right now, what do you think they're seeing? They're timid and scared, unsure. I go, is that what you want them to see? They say, and they stand up straight. They say, no. I say, great, deliver from that place. Mm. Almost reminding them how great they are, reminding them that they're, they are something, but yet caring enough to push harder is what I'm hearing you say too. Caring With, enough to Without that. question. And one, one of the things I love about the example that you just shared you bring somebody on stage and really what you're doing, you're encouraging them to connect to what drives them, but to communicate in their authentic way. Mm. How many times do we see leaders who they want to yell and scream or have a vein popping out of their neck like me when that's not their style of communication? And I'll share with you, you have to find your voice. 
And you could ask any player, any pregame talk I've ever given, any offseason talk, postgame talk. I've never actually screamed at a player. I raise my voice with powerful intention to engage emotion. There's a huge difference. I have, you will never meet us. I've worked with hundreds upon hundreds of athletes. You will never meet an athlete that say that guy screamed and yelled in my face. And I think far too often we see these videos of people online and they're like (laughs) just screaming at the screen and they find your voice. I share with people all the time. Just because somebody's on a football team doesn't mean that they've got all this testosterone and they yell and scream. We have players on teams that are very laid back. They have a quiet voice, but because of their play and how they work, they're very powerful. So I always say to them, look, it's not acceptable for you to not speak. Don't don't yell and scream like me because people would be like, what's going on with this guy? But I think it's important that you find your voice and you use that voice to be a leader. I love that. And so in, in that, even that term, finding your voice, we hear a lot, but nobody knows what it means. Or, you know, and, but what I'm hearing you say is that it's the thing that makes, what is it that you feel and believe? You don't believe yelling is the tool. It's like, even with your kids, I kept yelling. You're only yelling because you didn't set a boundary before, or you bluffed on the boundary. Oh, that is so true. Right. And if you bluffed, it's like, you know, it's, and I, I remember it to my kids, it's like, I go, well, if, you, if it happens again, I'm taking the card. And they look at me like this. And I said, and don't make me do it because I hate doing that to you. And then if I have to, I'm like, oh, come on, bring it over. They're like, no, I'm like, I know it sucks, don't it? Now give it to me. And it's here and I have it. And they, there's no need for yelling, but it's the last time it happens. And I think we as humans are the same way, especially as a coach, when you know that you're coming in as a leader, if you're coming from this position, I've, I've coached a lot of leaders on getting clear on what their values are and the business. And I go, and I go, I know you have to do values work. I go, but do you know why? The reason you go through that is because your values are what you're going to fire someone over in six to eight months to 10 months. So let's just accelerate the inevitable, get clear on what you value. If you, if you want people to show up on time, then meeting one, you hold that accountable. Well, what happened when you, they, well, I let them show up late because I didn't want them to feel bad. I'm like, so you compromised your values and set the boundary that they can move it by 15 minutes day one. So how, and then you're going to get mad at them later for something you didn't stand up for in the beginning. What are your expectations? Cause let's just make your life as a leader easier. And let's also be honest also about it. Here's what the expectations are. I, I want to say things once. I don't want to yell and see you know, whatever that is, your authentic voice of what's powerful. I love that. I think that's really good. Well, I think, yeah. you know, to amplify your influence, right? Words that mean a lot to you, right? Title of your book Everybody wants to amplify their influence. Everybody wants to be able to have the greatest impact. Well, if if you find yourself speaking in a voice that is not yours, you're already questioning it while the words are coming out of your mouth. So you might as well find your authentic voice, allow your action to be a great example, and to allow your action to show people that you're willing to do the work. There are there's, there's just way too many people in this world today They want to tell you how great they want to be. And then when we have a conversation with their action, you get to read the real story. And and that, that to me is unfortunate. You get to read the real story that, that hit because it's, it's, you can say anything you want, but I'm going to read the real story based on what you do. Well, well, how how many leaders do you sit down with? And they say, they say, Renee, I'm having so much trouble reaching my people. 
Mm. And then you end up finding out that they are so sloppy in how they show up in so <laughs> many areas that you have to be honest with them and say, hey, I think I've identified that because of some of the ways that you're showing up, it's providing an example that it's okay for people to be late. It's okay yeah. for people to be disorganized. It's okay for people to not follow through on the things they said they could do. So if we're disorganized or we lack accountability to ourselves, how can we expect that we're going to be able to hold people to a certain level or standard or, or heightened accountability? It's very hard to do that. I love that. I think, and that's, that's the other piece is yeah, I'm hearing you say is that we have to care enough to tell the truth. Here's what I'm seeing. And if you've established, I think if you've established that connection that you're talking about in the beginning of what really drives you, what's your burn, you know what mine is, then I can have that conversation of being honest about here's where you're off because we've truly connected. You truly know that I have your best interest at heart or vice versa. And I can hear your feedback at that point. I can hear the harder feedback. And that's where I think people grow. Well, this is great. I. God, I'm hoping we can do this again. And I might, I might even say we got to get an hour on this one because I know people are going to want to want to go longer on this. So Ben, if you could give us this sort of final piece, and I want to make sure everybody knows how to get a hold of you. I want to make sure they know how to get your book. I have read it. I loved it. What is the one thing that right now in today's shifting market, I'm going to call it a shifting market. What is the biggest calling for leadership right now, in your opinion? So I'll share with you the greatest life lesson I've ever heard. And if every leader embraces this, and then we go back and read their stories and their stories of clarity, caring about relationships, and disciplined action as a leader, you will grow people. And the lesson is this. The greatest life lesson I've ever learned, it came from my mom. Mm. It's not how long you live. It's how you choose to live your life. We as leaders have to choose to make the right decisions that set an example that other people will want to follow, and they have to know how much you care from the decisions, the choices, and the questions you ask them for them to know that you actually have a relationship where it's worth growing together. You know, pairing that simple yet profound advice with what you said is the real story, is the behavior, and saying we have to choose what that story is and that, that choice to be a certain person probably sets the trajectory for everything else. That is so powerful. Ben, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your graciousness. You're one of the most approachable people I've met in a long time. And I, even our short conversations, knowing what drives you is truly inspiring. So please, if you listen to this, go get the book on common leadership and follow Ben. It's Ben Newman, but I, there's a, what's the tagline, Ben Newman? It's, it's uh, uh, at, at Continued Fight. Continued Fight. At Continued Fight. Follow him. He's got great content out there. And again, feedback, all that stuff. stuff's welcome. Ben, thank you so much for being on the show. Renee, thank you so much for having me, and thank you to all of your listeners. Thank you for sharing this time with us. If the experience resonated with you, follow us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or AmplifyMyLife.com. Share it with anyone else who's ready to amplify their lives. And remember to let our hearts speak in sequence. For more from Renee Rodriguez, visit MeetRenee.com.